giving up on doing and being and loving and caring, right? We're not giving up on any of those things that the law asks us to do. We're doing them in such a way that is vibrant and people can see it. So it looks just a little bit different maybe. Yeah. I yeah. feel like it's a little more, I always feel like Jesus is more extreme. Like Jesus is like bigger, better, more, right? Yeah. Like I want your light to shine. I don't want you to just be good works by yourself. I want it to be so big that everyone can see it around you. Welcome back to Study with Friends, a weekly dive into the answers and questions we find in the Bible, the church, and the broader Christian faith. I'm Paige, and today we begin week three of our series focusing on the Sermon on the Mount. For those of you just joining us, this series is different in that it will run eight weeks and have five daily episodes to help you study Jesus's words in greater depth. If you would like the study material, past episodes, more information on this series, or any of the other resources we provide, you can find them all on our website, studywithfriends.org. So this is week three of the Sermon on the Mount study, and the passage is Matthew 5, 13 to 16. And it's in the context, obviously, of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew roughly 5 through 7. And the last two weeks, we've been talking about um, some introductory elements. Uh, We did a lot with James and the partnership between the sermon and James. And uh, last week, we did the Beatitudes. There was way too much to get done in the short amount of time that we had. So I hope that people will look deeper into the things that we poked at a little bit. All of that can be found in the homework, which is at studywithfriends.org. So uh, we'll start by reading the core text today. And Kathy, I'm going to ask you to do that, if you don't mind. So we're reading Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Mm -hmm. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Thank you. Okay, so this is a pretty familiar text, right? How would you summarize it? Behave in such a way that people can see and recognize Jesus Mm -hmm. in you. I think that's a pretty good summary. It's something that we're familiar with Mm -hmm. in the church, I think. Um, In fact, colloquially, sometimes we churchy people say, oh, you got to be salt and light. Oh, I'm going to go be salt and light there. Right. So we this is a pretty familiar passage. So I hope that we have some new insights One of the things that I talk about in the homework um, is the importance of, I say, don't just know the address, know the neighborhood. And I've said that on these um, recordings before. And what I mean by that is read the passage that is your core text, but also read the surrounding text because that's how it was meant to be read. We artificially segment the Bible a lot. And and so we're going to do a little bit of, of that here on day one. Uh, trying to understand the context of this particular passage. Would you just share with me your thoughts on like why you think we do that segmenting of text? Why do you think that happens? It may help people focus on what the meaning is of that particular section. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that those of us who uh, are reading and passionate about scripture want others to be that way as well. And so I feel like we 
fill in some of the gaps, mm. trying to help them understand it more, mm. have a little more ease with it. It's not the most simple thing to read, <laughs> and especially the first time around, right? So a lot of this might be for first timers who have never read it before. And so I think we're trying to assist people, not way as if an, I wrote these, <laughs> but I think there's a there's a goal in those that did write them to try and assist people in understanding the overall basic message of what you're about to read, mm -hmm. right? So I'm preparing you now to read this next section. So you're talking about the headings. Yes. Okay. That, I, that, that you didn't say it. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what is the heading she? section? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so in, by, in some Bibles, there are <clears throat> yeah. little headers, mm -hmm. but those weren't in the original text. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I lost the thread. And the way that. that we break it up is mm -hmm. the same thing, but yeah, those headers, yeah. I think have yeah. a specific purpose. Yeah. It, you're right. You're right. And uh, they're helpful, mm -hmm. but they do cause us to feel like, oh, this stands all by itself and I can get everything I need if I just read this, which obviously, as it comes out of my mouth, it doesn't make any sense. You can't get everything out of any one passage. The whole text, the whole scripture, the whole Bible is meant to teach and instruct and exhort. And so any thoughts on the segments before I... Um, I thought Bust it was, them open. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. Um, when I was doing that part of the homework, I was looking at them and I realized like I don't read them when I read the Bible. You don't read the headers? No, not oh. always. Not always. Sometimes I do, but I would just like read through, and I've realized through my laziness <laughs> that it makes more sense that way, and like things are more conjoined instead of like very like separated. Some Bibles don't have them. So does your Bible have My them? My Bible has them. But you yeah. just ignore them. Sometimes I do read them, but like most of the time I just like read through. Yeah. Or especially if I'm on my phone, like I just read through. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Does, does the Uver? I guess the the version, version has the headings, mm -hmm. but headings. yeah. I just, you just skip them. Oh, yeah. that's so interesting. I am a person who like, I want to digest it in the pieces that are given to me. And so I agree with you. Like it's helpful. So I... I don't think I've ever ignored them. So that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like okay, yeah. what, what is this saying? And but, yeah. so I just think anytime we add something to scripture, we have to be super mm -hmm. careful about that. That I guess is what I want to make sure that we're saying. And in some cases they appropriately mark like a transition in time or whatever. But in this case of salt and light for just this first day, I just want to explore how we can understand this passage better when we look at the few verses before and the few verses after, if you'll permit me. Okay, so at the end of last week, we were talking about the Beatitudes. And technically, part of the Beatitudes are Matthew 5, 11, and 12. But I think that they really influence our understanding of 13 through 16. So Marilyn, would you read Matthew 5, 11, and 12? Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Thank you. How do you think these verses about persecution might inform the passages about salt and light? Kind of a admonishment <laughs> to not to recognize that persecution w will happen and don't let that put out your light mm. don't let that make you lose your saltiness yeah well, I was in agreement with that because I feel like that that goes along with the uh what happens if it becomes tasteless right like these 
unfortunately, 11 and 12 is almost a guarantee in a way, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that it can be the most mild of things to the most extreme of things that we will be persecuted. And it is very easy to lose our soul. It's very easy to go along with the world. And uh, I think it's a great reminder that that's not what we're called, that this is a reality and therefore hold on to yeah. what I've said to you and what I've given you. Prepare, be prepared for yep. that to happen. Kate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with all of that. It was like kind of like a warning mm-hmm. that like you are going to be like the light to the world, but you know, not everyone's going to love that about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great way to say it. I also find it interesting that of the Beatitudes, that warning about persecution was two verses and the rest are just one. So anytime there's like repetition, I always am like, oh, God really wants me to let that sink in. Um, That's just a note, you know? I mean, I think it partners again with James, who says, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of any kind. Um, And so, I, yes, I think you guys nailed it. I think that's that's a really important contextual foundation for salt and light because we want our salt and light always to be a positive thing, persuasive. But sometimes it will result in persecution. And I think that's what Jesus, if we tie these passages together, um, there's a warning there. Okay, so let's talk about the passage immediately following the text for this um, week which, by the way, is the text for next week. And that's Matthew five seventeen to 20. Kate, would you mind reading that? Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, I have to ask you what version you're reading because I've never heard jot and tittle. (laughs) New King James Version. Ah, I knew it. (laughs) That's the Calv way. Okay, so I don't know what a jot and tittle is. Wait, that's yeah, stroke that of the pen. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was like, that's what I was. Yeah, smallest letter or least yeah. stroke of the pen. Okay, thank you. <laughs> that's great. Okay, I get it. It's a jot. I'm jotting it down. Okay, I'm with you. Well, All right. It's so something tittle, to do with thing. Hebrew writing. Tittle, a tittle. I'm just gonna tittle that down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna totally incorporate that into my vocabulary this week. Can you make a tittle? <laughs> of what I'm telling you. <laughs> All right. Sorry. I should. Am I being heretical, making fun of scripture? I'm sorry. Okay. So I just have never heard those words. Okay. So why don't you summarize? Summarize what what, what you think Jesus is saying there. We'll do a little preview for next week. We're gonna really dive into it, obviously next week. But tell me what you think. What's the gist of 17 to 20? I think it's that in regards to like the salt and light passage, I think it means that people look at us and they see like our behavior and sometimes it influences them. So in regards to verse 19, when it's talking about breaking the commandments, if you're doing that and then other people, you may unconsciously lead other people to do so. Um, And that would be a huge problem because, you know, we're supposed to spread the word and be lights to others. But if you are doing, you know, the God's commandments and you're following them and like Mm -hmm. other people see that they might be influenced to, you know, do that as well. And then, you know, you've done, 
what God wants us to do yeah, in that situation. Intended. Okay, that's good. What What do you guys think about this particular piece? I kind of had the same thought that uh, keeping the commands and doing the the things that were commanded are part of successfully being salt and light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. Like you said, I kind of skip some of these headings because I feel like there's such a beautiful flow in the way that Jesus speaks and some of the headings cut it, cut those off a little bit. Jesus is speaking in a way that they might consider different mm-hmm. and unique. And then he's saying, you know, I want you to follow these things. And yet I don't want you to forget that I haven't broken this. I'm not yeah. coming up with something brand new, Yeah. right? This is the way you fulfill those things. Mm-hmm. And this is the way I want you to look in fulfilling those things. So when he says in verse 16, to see your good works, yep. right? So we're not giving up on doing and being and loving and caring, right? We're not giving up on any of those things that the law asks us to do. We're doing them in such a way that is vibrant and people can see it. That's good. So it looks just a little bit different, maybe. Yeah. I yeah. feel like it's a little more. I always feel like Jesus is more extreme. Like Jesus is like bigger, better, more, right? Yeah. Like I want your light to shine. I don't yeah. want you to just be good works by yourself. I want it to be so big that everyone can see it around you. And know what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm mixing up um, the things I want to do on different days here, but. When, when we talk about this 17 to 20, for me, and this is, this is the danger of working with mature Christians in this conversation, because you assumed something that probably should still be said. So I'm going to try to draw it out of you. If the salt and light passage is about our behavior and how we look to the world, and the 17 to 20 passage is about Christ and the law, By the way, you're all right in your answer, but there's something underneath it that we didn't say because we've been doing this for a long time and it's understood. What is the root of work, of good work like this? Your faith. Yeah. So say more about that. (laughs) Uh, So your faith in, in God. I mean, God gives the law, right? So God gives the law and the prophets and then he gave Jesus to fulfill these things. And so it's your faith in the belief that that is true. Mm hmm. So it's your faith in, yeah. So if, if I hear you properly, you're saying it's because of Christ, we're able to do these works. I think it's important, even though we all know it, um, it's important to hit this note Mm -hmm. every week, if not every day, Mm -hmm. that the Sermon on the Mount talks to disciples. There's a presumption of faith and belief in Christ as such. It's not the surface behavior modification program. It is the result of our faith. It isn't the prescription for our faith. Can you say it in a different way? Because you guys, of course, you were right. But there's something else there that Christ is spending time on, and we'll spend time on next week. But it really influences as we start to talk about practical behavior. So the Beatitudes were adjectives and salt and light is a metaphor. And it's just God, Jesus trying to explain to us how we should be. And throughout the homework, I, I, I keep saying that I think that the sort of the thesis statement of the sermon is verse six, eight, do not be like them. The rest of the sermon is be like this. And so because you mentioned it too, if it's, if you're a new believer or a seeker, it's super important that people understand it's not be like this and then you get to heaven. We get that, but we have to say it because 
you never know who needs that reminder or needs that knowledge in the first place. So can you say it in a different way? What he's saying here when he says he fulfills the law, he's the perfect, right? He's sinless. He fulfills the law. If we love him and we honor him as king and savior and God who created the world, we want to follow that. Mm -hmm. And so that's where it comes from deep down, right? We want to be, we want to honor that whom we follow mm -hmm. by doing what he did and what he asks us to do. So we want to be salt and light and, and to show other people, right? Like to show other people that um, he is good, he is loving, he is a God worth serving. Like he is a good God. And so therefore I would agree it needs to come from the bottom up. It can't mm -hmm. come from anything outward and superficial. Like, oh, give me the next thing to say. Like, oh, he says, you know, don't get don't have sex before marriage. Therefore, I'm going to not have sex. You know, but the truth of the matter is, is that we need to love him enough to trust him that he's going to give us somebody that will honor that commitment with us that yeah. we can share our body and our lives with, right? So yep. our internal dialogue needs to look different. Not that I'm going to do this, but that I love him and I trust that he's going to do that for me. Yep, perfect. Any other insights on that? That was good. No, I was just going to say it's well said. I'll leave yeah. it at that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, the last bit I want to toss around is does verse 19, and I'll have Kate read it again in just a minute, remind you of the Beatitudes in any way? And if so, why? And if not, why not? So Kate, read verse 19. So this is verse Matthew five nineteen. Mm -hmm. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Does that verse remind you of the Beatitudes? Yes. Like, blessed are they who do this because they will have that. The part about being called great in the kingdom of heaven reminded me of great is your reward in heaven if we tolerate persecution for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. Anything else? So just thinking of some of the commandments of honoring, right, not coveting. Yeah, if we keep those, we look like these blessed ours, right? Mm. So if I honor my parents, especially if I honor my parents and they don't necessarily always honor me, right, then I could be someone who is gentle. So, so I definitely think that, or someone that hungers and thirsts for righteousness if I'm not coveting, right? So like, Yes, I think all of them can match up with our commandments. This is the, oh, what do I want to, I want to use the, the expression, the psychological outpouring, which probably is not right, or maybe the philosophical outpouring. Like this is more of a heart version of a physical ask. Which is more of a heart version? This, ver I think the blessed the are. Beatitudes. Is, yeah, the Beatitudes are more of like a heart version. Like this is more of internally what this would look like if we externally mm -hmm. do the things that God asked us to do. It's almost like you did the homework last week. <laughs> Other like initial thoughts, initial thoughts on the salt and light passage. What have you learned about this passage? What, what comes to mind when I say, oh, the salt and light passage? Matthew five sixteen was a verse that we always used to close our youth group meeting. And uh, so I, of course I always think about youth wow. group when I read this. Oh my gosh, that's so good. 
Did you say it like out loud together? Yes, we all recited mm. from Old King James. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's a great opportunity. I, I do this with you a lot because you were raised in a tradition of memori- memorization, yes. which I think is a really good tradition. Can you speak to the impact that youthful memorization had on your walk? <laughs> I didn't realize it at the time, um, how helpful memorizing scripture would be. Um, It was something we did. Our church emphasized it in Sunday school, vacation Bible school, youth group. That was always part of learning and part of how we were taught. And we also got little rewards. We got a special sticker on our report card for vacation Bible school for every verse we memorized. We also memorized hymns. And that has really been helpful too as you go through life and you know you may not have your bible sitting right next to you but some of these words just flash into your mind in a certain situation and it's it's nice to have that at your fingertips Mm -hmm. Uh, you never realize when you're doing it as a as a kid how that's going to stay with you the rest of your life yeah um were you raised in a tradition of memorizing I think I don't think it was as like drilled in structured mm-hmm. and yeah and structured but definitely and that made me think of when I was in Sunday school I don't remember the song or how it goes but there is like a song that talks about like not putting your light under a bushel and like that's what it made me think of when this I little read that light of mine. I think it was <laughs> I'm gonna let it shine this little light of mine that's it right yeah was <laughs> under a don't bushel. make me no. sing <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you're right not having been raised in mm-hmm. the church, what's your thought on memorization? Have you adopted that as a practice? I have not. So, <laughs> I think you know me well enough to know I'm such a I'm such a wild card. Uh, <laughs> no, I would love to memorize, and this is the beauty between my husband and I, because my husband I feel like has memorized every verse in the Bible, but he will just be like, "Oh, all you should do is say it four times, and then you memorize it." And I'm like, <laughs> "I've said it 300, and I still haven't memorized it." Uh, I really struggle with memorization. I, rem- I remember concept. I don't work as well with memorizing. But uh, funny enough, we were just, and I'll, I'll try to make it short because I know we're coming to a close, but uh, we were just at dinner last night and with friends that say prayers by rote is, I guess, the expression that mm-hmm. we use. So they say prayers over and over and over again, and it's the same prayer. And there is such beauty to it because they know exactly what they're going to say. It is the right meaning it means what it says and so we're not trying to come up with all these weird things out of the blue and i think there's a, there's a comfort to it obviously the downside is is we can not realize what we're saying mm-hmm. so even sometimes when we memorize scripture we can forget what we're saying but the beauty to memorizing scripture is when you need it it's there yeah right it's you can pull it up and go oh my gosh he says be light in the world so when you are being darkness you can remember that he asks us that we're, you know, he, he not doesn't ask us, he tells us that we're supposed to be light. So while I am not good at memorization, it is something I would love to do. And it is something that I work, as I read, I work mm-hmm. on learning scripture more and more. You said something interesting, and we'll mm-hmm. close with this. You said uh, you're not good at memorizing, but then you also said, but the spirit brings to mind. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's a really good equalizer. So I think if you take the time to read the scripture, God will use that to remind you of what he said. And that's where he plants his seed in your mind. And he, the spirit brings it back to your mind when he needs to. And I think for those of us who have memorized scripture, 
we're able to call it back easier because we've memorized it when we need it. But the Holy Spirit has no difficulty, whether we've read it once or a million times, bringing it back to our mind when we need it. And so that's a good, good way to put a balm on those who can't or haven't or didn't or won't be able to memorize scripture because just read it and trust that Jesus is going to a give you something new as you're reading it and what you need as you're reading it. And then when you need it, the spirit will absolutely call to mind. You may not remember exactly where it is in the Bible. It doesn't matter. You're going to remember, this is my word. Hear it again over your life in this situation right now. This program is produced by study with friends. Learn more about us at studywithfriends.org and sign up there for email devotionals or download our Bible studies for free. If you are blessed by our work, please consider supporting our ministry with a donation. We believe in the local church. Please find a congregation where you can plug in and experience all aspects of the Christian life. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time when we study with friends.